Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Chris Rudin, who is an amputee, a record-holding powerlifter, motivational keynote speaker, author and disabled model who is featured on Rock or The Rock's hit TV show, Titan Games. So Chris, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and just out of interest, I guess, for me and everyone listening, whereabouts in the world are you right now? So I'm in the United States. I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I also know from watching some of the videos on your website that you actually hid your disability for the first 17 years and, and even in the early days of your speaking career. But now you're literally on stage as a keynote speaker in the spotlight. What was what? Why, why did you make that transition and how was it for you? So, you know, growing up with a disability, I have a cool like prosthetic arm now, but um, I just, I thought I was broken. So I hid my disability. I hid it in my pocket. I hid it in long sleeves. I wore a glove up until four years ago, mm. you know? So I had started my speaking career even before I stopped hiding my hand. So I was on stages in front of people talking about all kinds of things like mental health and overcoming adversity while I was still struggling. And I think that created a sense of like authenticity and vulnerability and connection that allowed me to really connect with audiences. So when I finally stopped hiding my disability, you know, four years ago, people watched that. They were in the audience seeing me go from the speaker who they know he's still dealing with stuff to like, wow, he literally became his best self in front of us. He is practicing what he is preaching, you know? And I think that created a huge sense of connection and uh, really established me as a speaker. Not that that was my goal, but it was really cool that my growth happened in front of people and it inspired people to do the same. I love that. And I guess for everybody else listening and, you know, it's, it's not only, you know, physical disabilities, but, you know, or differences and people see themselves as imperfect in lots of different ways. It might be their accent. It might be, they think they're too short, they're too tall, they're too skinny, whatever that is. And, and I guess sometimes we put off speaking on stage until we think we're ready and, and I guess it's look, seeking perfection, which may never come. Uh, what what are your views? That perfectionism is like, it's, we know it's self-sabotage, but it's, it's literally procrastination because mm. you're never going to be perfect enough. People don't want to be perfect. They want to be more perfect. They don't want to be good speakers. They want to be better speakers. So it's like the, the place they want doesn't exist because it's always more. So you cannot be a good speaker if you don't speak. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be hired for $10,000 gigs to speak. You can speak for free. But to be a speaker, you have to speak. And this, you have to get out there more and speak and speak and speak. That's a really good point. And yeah, you know, you, you have to get out and speak. And you have to go through that amateur phase as well. You know, you're not going to have your first speaking gig. It's going to be the, the best keynote speech that's ever been delivered. And it doesn't have to be either. So really important to think of that. And I just want to just ask as well. So Obviously, you're a great speaker, and I've watched a lot of your, your videos. Um, what was it like in the early days? What, what's your earliest memory of speaking, and how did it go? So my first ever speaking gig, I was invited last minute to a nonprofit event. It was unpaid. A um, buddy of mine was like, we don't have a speaker. We'd love to have you speak. I'm like, I've never done it, but I've always, like, that was my secret question. What's your dream job? I was like, a uh, motivational speaker, you know? Oh, I didn't yeah. know what that meant. Um, and I spoke out there, and 
to everyone else, the feedback I got that it wasn't really good. To me, I knew I could have done better. I knew there was words that I repeated. I knew there was something going on that didn't feel as natural as I wanted it to feel. You know, and I started taking from a lot of other speakers that I was seeing on YouTube and I didn't feel like it was me. It felt like a conglomerate of other people. So I started going to Toastmasters, which is all around the world. I started practicing the art of speech and looking into tone and cadence and rhythm and understanding how ideas are communicated. I took it seriously as a business. I also talked to a speaker and I asked him, like, I wanted his advice. I thought I had the best story in the world. I was like, my story is so, it's fire, you know, like mm -hmm. it's going to motivate people. I told him this like heartbreaking story of, you know, being broken and emotionally damaged and not confident. I told him all this stuff and I waited for him to talk. And he, I was like, he's going to, he's going to be like, damn, you're good. He was like, so what? And I was like, wow, what do you mean? So what? He said, no one cares about your story. They care about what your story does for them. Mm. That changed everything. For yeah. me. I was like, it's, you have the same story that I do. You went through some stuff, you got over some stuff and there's some more stuff coming. How do you package, not the story, but the message in a way that focuses on what people get and not what you give. That's a, that it's a hard thing to, to grasp. Once you get that though, everything you speak about becomes impactful and less like a movie that feels good. Yeah. I, I went through some struggles. Yeah. But it, that feel good is not going to do anything for you. But if I give you the concepts that helped me, they can potentially do good for you. And that's what we need to focus on. I love it. And, and, you know, an audience's question, probably a subconscious question, but it's what's in it for me? You know, what can I get out of okay. this? And... I think people think that's a bad thing. It's mm. completely okay for an audience member to be like, what can I get from this? Yeah. We have to package that for them as speakers. They are not there to hear about what Chris did when he was seven. Mm -hmm. They are there to hear about what can I use from that to make my life better. That's the focus. Love that. So, so you, you go back to that first talk. You know, you maybe use the, the wrong words. You probably use filler words. You said um and er uh, quite quite a lot. You know, there are other people listening that are at that point in their journey. They're just starting out. What advice would you give to them right now? Um, in in their first stage as a speaker. We'll just reframe it. Um. The day you started driving, were you driving in like NASCAR or F1 formula and racing? No. No. Uh, if you wanted to get better at playing basketball, would you play tennis? Probably not. You have to practice what you're trying to improve and you have to improve by playing more. Same thing with speaking. I said, um, a lot. I would say, yeah, man, man was my go-to word. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, man, it's just, man, it's. And I listened to it. I recorded one of my talks and I was like, why do I keep saying that word? Because I was uncomfortable with silence. I was uncomfortable with pausing. I didn't understand the art of repetition. Like I just did those three segments. And, you know, there's, there's concepts that we have to learn and improve and grow as artists. I truly believe speakers are artists in their form of communication. So don't cocky don't be cocky and assume that you're just gonna be good you went through stuff or you have a message that's amazing but we have to package that message in a way that is optimal and that comes from effort and hard work and paying attention to how your speaking is now and what you need to improve it's not that you aren't good the question is how can we make it better 
yeah yeah i love that and, and one point you made in there as well is actually recording yourself being your own personal critic watching it back and that's hard for people to do because when you first hear your voice on a recording or a video you just don't like it do you it's hard it's hard but it's something to get used to and, and you know you can be your best personal critic and you can give yourself that feedback that you need to improve your speaking career absolutely and there's people there's so many different kinds of voices so many different kinds of messages we need to turn off that self-deprecating type talk. We're like, oh, I don't like how I sound. I don't like the tone. What can you do to improve the messaging and delivery so that it helps other people? Take it off of you and things you can't control. And what can you do to make it better for them, which is the whole point of what you're doing. So that really helped. Yeah, love that. So you said you've been in on this speaking journey for about four years now. Have there been any big learning moments or big speaking failures or disasters that you'd like to reflect back on now you've got here? I have, okay, so I, I've only had one major disaster mm -hmm. failure talk and that haunts me, yeah. haunts me. And it wasn't technically my fault. It was one of those things that I just learned. I learned to vet the events from now on. So mm -hmm. I did an event and they had a simultaneous fitness event going on and they didn't turn the music down. Got it. I was performing to the backs of people. It was just mm -hmm. not a good feeling. And from that, I learned in my speaking contract, I established the scenario. I established the scene and make sure that people are not eating while I'm speaking. Make sure that the scene is set for what I need and your needs may be different, but start to finish, you have to know what the environment is most likely going to be. There's always going to be technology problems. There's mm -hmm. always going to be things that go wrong. But who you are, um, I was taught one thing. A good speaker doesn't always have a prepared speech, but is always prepared to speak. Mm, yeah. So if, you're, if you have practiced enough, you can deliver what you have already in any scenario because you've practiced so much, it is second nature to communicate. Just like if you were going to talk with a significant other, you wouldn't have to prepare because you know how to talk authentically from the heart. Same thing when you make your speech, you obviously want to prepare, but at a certain point, all that practice means, you know, a, a famous basketball player can go to a court anytime and yeah. play well. Same mm -hmm. thing with the speaker, if you put in the work. And, and I guess it allows you to flex as well. So it could be that you've got a 90 minute presentation that you could flex into a 30 minute slot. You could flex it into a four hour training and yeah, so, yeah have that confidence in your, in your own content. And, and actually it's a really good point on, on that. So I fell into the trap in my early days of learning to speak of scripting everything, revising my script word for word and memorizing my script. And then also having a script in my hand when I delivered that, that presentation. So it was a comfort blanket for me that took me a long time to get rid of. What's your advice about scripting versus non-scripting versus notes? Like what, what, what advice would you give on that? I would say there is no universal fix to an individual mm -hmm. problem. So for me, my scripting, I write anywhere between four <laughs> to eight bullet points, maybe two to three lines that I really want to use. And I do the rest from my authentic delivery. That's how I operate best. Yeah. I, I am very like, I'm a charismatic type speaker and mm -hmm. I'm very witty off the cuff that's my specialty yep. versus someone who might be more technical loves to write their speech know it word for word and then deliver it the thing with writing your speech you have to practice it so much that the delivery has to be authentic and it has to seem natural yeah. because if you are searching for words in your head you're no longer present it's not bad but if you go that route you have to really know your content and if you mess up you cannot show that at all yeah because no one knows if you mess up as long as you're communicating authentically. My style is a little more chaotic, but I love that 
method. And I built myself to that point. I know a lot of other speakers like that, but I also know speakers who memorize 16 pages of a speech and they deliver it perfectly. It's all your personal preference, but don't think one is better than the other. Ask what's best for you. Yeah, perfect. And, and, and you'll only figure that out through going through the process of... I, went, I did both. I did both. I was so stressed. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. Whereas other people could memorize speeches no problem and they delivered it amazingly. And it showed me the individuality of the speaker. Yeah, perfect. So we've talked about the free speaking gigs. We've talked about paid speaking gigs. There is a transition point there for people. What would you say that transition is? And and what what do you need internally and externally to help you transition from free speaker to paid speaker? So I think I went about it in a less optimal way, but it did pay off. I did probably 30 speaking gigs for free. Yeah. Uh, I'm also in the diabetes space. So I was building my social media. I was doing everything myself. I had no real mentor. I was mm-hmm. just... I was getting my name out there as much as possible. And one day someone asked like, oh, what's your honorarium? I'm Googling what's an honorarium. I don't even know what that is. And it was like speaker fee. I'm like, oh, um, whatever the last speaker did. And they're like, okay, 2000. I'm like, holy what? Yeah, cool. I was like, I can get paid like this? I'm like, that's insane. And now it's to the point where my speaker fees are 10,000 plus. Yeah. You know, it's, it's transition. But what also transitioned was the belief in myself believing my content is worth the ask, you know, limiting beliefs are huge when it comes to asking for your speaker price. Also, does all of your foundational elements back up your price? When I go to your website, do you look like a $5,000 speaker? Mm. Do you look like a $2,000 speaker? Do you look like a $10,000 speaker? Have you invested in yourself as a business? You know, you are not just telling your story, you are a business. So Mm. are you doing some sort of PR? Are you writing blogs? Are you doing something to position yourself as an expert in whatever field you are. And if not, that's fine. Start doing stuff like that so you can elevate your speaker fees. So I no longer negotiate my speaker fees. When I say my fee, they say, okay, or they can't afford it. And I can help them, you know, other ways, but I no longer negotiate. Where in the beginning, I had to really negotiate. So it is a part of the growth process, but invest in a mentor, invest in, you know, coaching, invest in, a website, have, have the plan to expand. This is beyond a one person operation. Yeah. Even though it seems like you're the speaker, mm-hmm. I have people who I hire to help, you know, with things. Cause I've, I've gotten a position like that, but in the beginning I didn't have money to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not that you need money. You need to invest sweat equity into your business. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and again, it's just reiterating the point that it is a process, you know, you don't have to charge 10,000 for your first gig. No, um, I never thought I would get to that point, yeah. you know, but, as I saw the growth, I saw that it was possible. And I'm telling you right now, it's very possible. And where I'm going, I've gotten to the point where I've done $60,000 gigs. And that's something yeah. else I've learned, which we can talk about. But the speaking business can be so, one, lucrative and two, impactful, as long as you do it in a way that you grow alongside your business. Yeah, yeah, love that. And one final question just to ask, which is, I think, still topical, is, um, you know, the twenty. 20 pandemic pretty much wiped out the 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 in-person speaking business so i want to know how you transitioned and also is virtual speaking here to stay that was tough i lost probably eighty thousand dollars in contracts uh i was i was not bulletproof Uh, i didn't bulletproof my business and that taught me how to pivot so i added virtual speaking i have seen a massive downtrend in virtual speaking Mm -hmm. uh in my 
space and the corporation and association space, but it's still there for continuing education, like workshops or remote satellite events. It's yeah. still there. You know, it's mm-hmm. still there. I think it will always play a part in people's speaking careers as well as consulting careers and workshop careers. But you have to decide, again, what kind of speaker are you? I know someone who's all virtual and they love it. They live in Dominican Republic and they don't fly pretty much anywhere. You know, I personally love in-person events. That's the kind of speaker I am. There's no right or wrong answer, but just know both elements are going to be involved in speaking forever. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, you know, we've got the the hybrid space as well now. Do we try and have hybrid events where you've got people in person, but also people dialing? And, and what, what issues can that cause? Done, I had a company fly me in and they streamed it to the rest of their company. So 10,000 people total, uh, about 500 in person and the rest, you know, virtually. Yeah. It's crazy what's happening. You know, just you have to prepare your business. And when you're speaking, you know, on camera, it's a lot different because you're not getting that audience interaction. So you have to find different ways. You can't treat it the same exact way, no, but that's absolutely. all a part of investing into your business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all the advice you've given so far. My final question for you today is if somebody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you, where could they connect with you online? Yeah. So my name is Chris Rudin, R-U-D-E-N. Uh, I have a book on Amazon. I have uh, everything is just at my name. So at Chris Rudin for Instagram and TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. And then my website is chrisrudin.com. So whether you want to book me, just talk about speaking. I always invite newer speakers to just shoot me a message because I never had a lot of people who would be willing to give out advice. Yeah. I'm always willing to give out advice, just like you do. Um, I'm here to help because I want to see more people, more speaking in the space. So Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. What I'll do is I'll post all those links in the show notes as well so people can click on those and find out more about you. But yeah, Chris, thank you so much again for coming along and sharing such great value with our audience. I appreciate it. Thank you.